What happens when a longtime social worker decides to integrate her passion for cooking with her dedication to helping others? You create the FanJoy Culinary and Wellness Center, a social enterprise that uses culinary classes to improve the well-being of youth, families, and communities. We speak with the founder of the innovative venture next. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. On today's episode, we speak with Pam Fanjoy, founder of Fanjoy Culinary and Wellness Center. In our conversation, the one-time Chopped Canada champion shares what inspired her unique venture, the impact it's had so far, and how cooking delicious food and building tangible life skills in the kitchen can prove transformative. My journey has certainly been an exciting one. I started out as a clinical social worker 25 years ago. I ended up in this social work position with the Food Bank of Waterloo Region, teaching families how to use food and create community, uh, while also providing themselves with sustainable ways of getting through the winter and not having to access the food bank when times were really tough. I would say that's where the journey really began. And so it isn't a coincidence that 25 years later, after a successful career as a clinical social worker specializing in child and adolescent mental health and family therapy, that I have come full circle mm -hmm. and I ended up going back to culinary school in wow. my 40s. I had no idea how to cook in my 40s. <laughs> Join the club. What was it that inspired you? What did you think? Did you already have this vision? <laughs> I mean, was no, it some kind no, of... No, I had okay. no idea. This, my today's life and career, I had absolutely no vision for at all. I really, really love the work that I did. I've always loved my work as a social worker, helping mm -hmm. families come up with creative solutions to the problems that they're facing, but it's stressful. Yeah. And I didn't want to burn out in my forties yeah. uh, from a career that I love. So I kind of found myself one day feeling a bit discouraged about, um, I guess just the future and my ability to keep digging deep with families mm -hmm. in a heartfelt, compassionate way without burning out. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I need to do something in the evenings that just completely brings me joy and will balance out the stress of my day-to-day -day work. And as I always do, I'm a lifelong learner. I believe that that's really important as an entrepreneur to keep growing all the mm -hmm. time. And so I asked myself, what don't I know how to do yet? And I didn't know how to cook. <laughs> so I literally Googled it. How does oh one God. learn how to cook? And all these cooking schools came up. Um, I enrolled at George Brown College in downtown Toronto yeah. part-time and just started taking lessons and immediately fell in love with the exposure that I was having to learning about new ingredients and the whole ecosystem of farming and what farm to table is and that there's a healthier way of eating out there than just buying processed food, which mm -hmm. basically was what I had grown up on. <laughs> How long from that point till when you had this, you know, eureka moment of build a business out of it, build a social enterprise from here? 
Well, I started part-time and I was doing it evenings uh, and I ended up um, quite happenstancely getting involved in a fundraiser called Cook for the Cure with Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And that day changed my life. It was the first time that I was cooking with people who were passionate about food, knew way more than me about how to create delicious dishes and flavor and yet they were doing it with a social purpose of doing good and I decided that that's really what I wanted to do in the meantime I had this little side gig going on in my lawyer's office where they were paying me to do fully prepared meals which is now my gourmet to go meal lineup that we sell online and I had a marketplace for five years in Erin, Ontario, where we sold them in store. And that gourmet to go meal program that I started for my colleagues really ended up becoming the business in 2012. By 2014, I had gone back to school full time and I graduated in December and my gourmet to go meal program was really blowing up. So I had to get it out of my house. My family was ready to do an intervention if I brought one more piece of restaurant equipment or packaging into the house. (laughs) And so I opened my first storefront in Erin, Ontario, uh, two weeks after I graduated from George Brown Culinary School. Uh, do you still have that um, storefront or did, cause I know now you have the Fanjoy Culinary Wellness Center. Uh, so, so I always, I always believe that, you know, the food business is a risky business and, yeah. and typically, you know, low margins, five to 10% once you pay for food, labor and overhead. And so I designed my business uh, with multiple revenue streams very early on, which during the pandemic, people now understand having the protection of multi-revenue streams is actually smart, but it's also very, very challenging as an entrepreneur because it was like having five businesses within one. Right. So in the early years, 2014, 2015, I had my gourmet to go meal lineup my marketplace where it was actually a storefront. People could come in, see how I cook the food. I had, I've always had an open kitchen where Mm -hmm. I can converse and use my social work skills to engage people in learning about the food that is being prepared for them. And that was a really engaging way to get people involved in learning more about what they were putting on their plate. Mm -hmm. And it also helped them um, really support the social enterprise that I was doing, which was much more about just selling food. By 2015, one year after I opened Storefront, I won Chop Canada. (laughs) And that really catapulted the support that I was getting in my local rural community to open up a full service restaurant. And so within two years, I purchased a commercial property in the adjoining village, Hillsburg, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I opened up Fanjoy, which was a marketplace, a full service catering company, and a 30 seat rural country restaurant, which really attracted people from the GTA that appreciated ethnic cuisine, but locally sourced ingredients. What I was really doing in the background that has always been my passion was I was integrating my 20 years of clinical experience as a therapist 
with this idea of therapy in the kitchen. Mm. And so I created a culinary studio in the back of that original location. And I started bringing in teens and families and couples and seniors to do really one-of-a-kind cooking classes that were completely hands-on, experimental, and where we were digging into what were the daily problems that they were having and how could food and creating connection with other people by using food help improve their mental health. And I started realizing that when I brought people into the kitchen and I integrated my social work experience and cognitive behavioral therapy, I saw magical things happening. Mm. And eventually this ended up culminating into what we now call the Fanjoy Junior Chef programs. We use them across the lifespan, but it is really an innovative way to do counseling in the kitchen and my gourmet to go meals support that. So how does it work? That's, that sounds fascinating. How, do, how, does, how does the whole program work and how much of that your time is dedicated to it at this point? Right. I'm applying cognitive behavioral therapy, narrative and family systems therapy primarily uh, and I have whisked together a number of recipes where they become themes for conversations that I see all the time creating problems in people's lives. So, for example, um, one of the first groups that I did was for senior citizens who within six months had all lost their wives to cancer or stroke. And my colleagues, one by one, referred them to me. I said, get me a kitchen. I'll bring them together. We'll do some cooking sessions together. Because what these men didn't know is how to cook. And that was significantly impacting their nutrition and their mental health at a time in life when the grief and loss of losing their lifetime partner Mm. was also significantly impacting their mental health. Right. And so we can't separate our physical, our mental and our social health. And we often try to. And I really believe we just can't do that. So when I bring people into the kitchen, we are teaching them cooking skills so that they can attend to their actual nutritional, physical needs Mm -hmm. and feel comfortable in the kitchen. So they're actually cooking good food. Secondly, we're bringing them together socially to build community. So people build relationships Mm -hmm. in our culinary programs. I think one of the things the pandemic has naturally shown all of us is that we need connection. And when we don't have it, it can actually be detrimental to our health. So our culinary programs are about feeding connection and building relationships over time and being able to find a place where you belong And finally, it's about looking at what those emotional pieces are that are creating anxiety, depression, or disconnection from wanting to live your best life of joy. And so we are actually talking about this, these things while we're cooking. So in the case of the seniors program that I did, it really became group therapy in the kitchen. Wow, that's great. And this is this is an innovative approach that have you, did you follow any, you know, was this something that you had seen done before or is this completely 
novel that you came up with on your own? Because I know it's heard. yeah, I've I've never seen anyone doing it. Yeah. As as far as I know, Fanjoy's culinary model of therapy is <laughs> unique, and um, we are looking at launching a training program to teach other people how to do this. Again, there are a lot of people out there who use cooking classes or cooking programs as a way to bring people together and to teach them through yes. educational yes. means. But we're actually applying cognitive behavioral skills to recipes. Very interesting. Very interesting approach. Absolutely. And so you're obviously moving forward with the social enterprise, still juggling other things, I presume, I'm, I'm assuming. I was part of a women's accelerator program called Rise Ventures in Guelph. Okay. And I ended up pitching in October 2020. And I won the social enterprise first mm. place and $10,000. Wow, nice. And so I took that $10,000 and I decided to literally physically break down my marketplace mm. in Hillsburg. And I put it all up online. I created an online platform and uh, I took the physical space and I expanded the the culinary studio, my kitchen, essentially, so that I could continue to see youth mm-hmm. in person. What I was hearing from the rural community and, and teens in my area was that they were really, really struggling uh, during the pandemic. The, yeah. the rates of depression were astounding, even to me with my experience I had teenagers showing up at my front door of my restaurant, like just asking if they could come in and prep food with me and like hang out. Mm. And um, in talking with them and their parents and also doing some research with the people who were ordering our gourmet to go meals about how they were coping with working at home and remote school and parenting, I just really became aware of how much people were struggling and how few resources were available at that time in person and Mm -hmm. people wanted in-person support not zoom so uh that ten thousand dollars afforded me the ability to keep seeing teenagers and i developed an intensive program in september of 2020 for teens who didn't want to go back to school Uh, who were really too socially anxious after having been home for six months. Mm -hmm. And they came three days a week, three hours a day. And we incorporated music therapy, uh, outdoor education, and an hour and a half of cooking a day. And then uh, I did, I did group therapy with them, but in a really approachable, safe way where we were talking with any of the activities we were doing. And it was completely impactful. We had a 92% return rate. uh, And many of the kids stayed in the program uh, for over six months. And the results that we were seeing in terms of improved mood, improved engagement with their families, they were coming out of their rooms and actually like making dinner for their family out around the house. That's great. And the results that we were hearing from parents uh, about the engagement of their kids at home and their improved mood was enough to make me really decide that what I was doing with this culinary counseling really worked, especially Mm -hmm. for youth and families that might not otherwise even traditionally access counseling. Yeah. And so I decided to create this new culinary and wellness center mm. and uh, knew that 
we would have greater impact and a greater reach if we expanded into a uh, urban center again. And that's what you did. You, and you... that's what I did. So, okay. uh, so the, the summer this year has been a lot of planning and a lot yeah. of moving parts and developing, you know, the basis for what would work here in this community. And I bought a new center in downtown Guelph on September 1st, we moved and we are just settling in now. Is there anything that you can take away from your experience so far that could be perhaps an uh, educational for someone starting out? So many things. I think, I think any entrepreneur really has to have a desire to continue learning. Mm. Um, being an entrepreneur is incredibly isolating at times yeah. and you have to find something that really fuels you to keep going. And for me, kind of coming back to center during the pandemic and knowing what my why was, and then focusing on that was really Mm -hmm. important. Um, When I had joined this Rise Ventures program, I was very blessed to have an amazing volunteer mentor. Mentorship has been something in my own life uh, Mm -hmm. from being a young child that has really helped me get to where I am now Mm -hmm. um, and to and to thrive. And so mentorship is a core part of our junior chef program. And I think that is one of my lessons learned is that you can't do it alone. Yeah. And that you need to continually ask for help. And that's not always easy. Right. Um, So I've learned lots of lessons in the last 18 months about asking for help. Uh, And I think the other thing that I've learned more recently is the importance of resting and finding balance as Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. And uh, perhaps because I went, you know, full force from predominantly being a social worker Mm -hmm. to entering a completely other (laughs) new industry uh, in my 40s. My first five years in my culinary enterprise were really tough. I bootstrapped, um, you know, it was a lot of investment of time and dollars and energy and learning Mm -hmm. in a new career. And I think we underestimate the importance of, uh, working a somewhat reasonable number of hours in a week and building in time to recoup and rest. And that's something that I now make a priority. And uh, it's not always easy sometimes because my drive is high, but I realize that I do better work when I am also making sure that I myself am not isolated right? and that I have supports around me to bring more joy into my life. I think that's so important. I, I really do. And I think it's more and more you're hearing um, entrepreneurs that are uh, talking about that these days. I think it's become more acceptable to talk about that, the need to yeah. rest and right to balance. I think it's um, a really important conversation. And I yeah. think, you know, I've started working with entrepreneurs now and, and doing presentations and keynote speaking on what does mental health really mean when you're mm-hmm. an entrepreneur? Because so much of 
what's out there for entrepreneurs are accelerator programs. And the fact that they're even called accelerator programs <laughs> right. you know, really underlines the messaging that we give to entrepreneurs that you've got to do more, be more, do right. it faster. And that is not always the best way to be impactful. And when you're a social entrepreneur and you're trying to have social impact that involves other human beings, Mm -hmm. there's a different kind of emotional commitment and drain that goes with that, that makes um, balance and resting even more critical than entrepreneurs who might be in, you know, more traditional tech or uh, computer um, spaces. So I think for social entrepreneurs, this, this topic needs to start being discussed. And I am absolutely happy and committed to being a part of that conversation. I'm so glad we got to speak. Is there anything else that you wanted to say that I didn't give you a chance to say? We are going to be launching our new not-for-profit agency, Mm -hmm. uh, which is called Fanjoy Cooking Up Change. So in spring of 2021, you will hear about how Fanjoy's um, gourmet-to-go meals are going to feed and fuel junior chef bursaries to continue our efforts through our charity organization Uh, to reach more youth and families with our education programs and culinary wellness uh, groups. (laughs) Like you're not doing enough. That's amazing. Okay. Always something to look out for, it seems. So that's, that's fabulous. Um, Wonderful. We will all keep our eyes peeled for that. And um, thank you so, so much for taking the time. I really, really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. It was totally my pleasure. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.